0: All right. Welcome back to JB Squared. I'm JB Hager joined by Johan Bernil. And we're going to take a look at stage four of the 2023 Tour de France, a sprint stage, a unique sprint stage. And then also a very important look ahead at at a mountain stage. We have a a non-categorized climb and a cat one climb that I know Johan wants to spend some time on uh, to uh, get you prepared for tomorrow. Before we do that, Let's check in with a couple of our partners with some special offers. Today's show is brought to you by Ventum Bikes. Uh, check it out at VentumRacing.com if you're in the market for a new bike. Uh, I am now been riding their NS1 road bike for a couple of years. I absolutely love it. It's just an incredibly just tight, responsive frame. I mean, it's it doesn't take much to keep me happy, but it's, it's a, just the best bike I've ever ridden. And then just a few months ago, I'm like, you know, especially around my hometown of Austin, gravel, uh, gravel rides and gravel racing has exploded. And I was like, let's see what all the hype is about. Got my new GS1 and uh, going through the experience of buying it uh, online is, is so much better than I anticipated. Because especially if you have the measurements on an old road bike or something like that, you can literally figure out exactly what you need and you can customize your bike bit by bit oh i want these upgraded wheels i want this kind of handlebar i want this stem length i need this crank crank length and then whatever component group you prefer Uh, so the price can be as little as a few thousand dollars on a brand new gs1 or you know you build it up and spec it out to a pro race level it's up to you but it's very easy to do they're super super helpful uh, both online, on the phone, any customer service, anything like that. And you're just going to love the bike. So uh, get 10% off when you use the code we WEDU, W-E-D-U, at checkout at VentumRacing.com slash The Move. Today's show is also brought to you by HVMN. And uh, in, you know, in its simplest state, when I think about it, and what I've learned from hearing Lance and George talk about it, it's it's a whole other fuel source you know so why would you want to leave that off the table most of the peloton are using K- ketones iq uh some kind of ketones and the hvm makes ketine oh, ketone iq here's a little little daily shot here right here or you know sometimes i split it up take half in the morning half later in the day but it's another fuel source for you it gives you more energy For me, it helps with mental clarity quite a bit. It has really helped get me out of a funk. I've been doing a daily shot for over a couple months now, and I've noticed a great improvement. Uh, Also available, these very same ketone IQ, the bottle I just showed you, if you're watching on YouTube, is available at Sprouts throughout the U.S. And we'll keep you posted. I'm sure it's going to be popping up in uh, a lot more stores around you very very soon so you can save 30 percent on your first subscription order to ketone iq at hvmn.com slash the move again that's hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30 percent off all right johan let's jump right into looking at stage four sprint stage that went down today i would love your thoughts on the course and the and a finish that I did would not expect to see so many crashes ending on Mm -hmm. a race, on a race course. It's wider, it's smoother yet. We saw that. So let's jump into your overview of stage four, Johan.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as expected stage four, you know, 182 kilometers, um, basically flat, you know, just one cat four climb, uh, in the, in the course. So, um, we kind of, we could expect, uh, what would happen. You know, normally you would expect that there's a breakaway at the beginning of the stage. Um, the whole Peloton kind of knows what's going to be the outcome, but still, I was a bit surprised to not see any action. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, the tip, your typical, um, uh, you know, sprint stage, uh, everybody knew that. And, uh, and, and, you know, at the end it was, it was a bunch sprint also, you know, um, I've seen, for example, uh, especially on the on the commentary on on TV on different different stations because I used to I'm used to switch channels uh, or switch languages depending on on who's talking because um, here in Europe they and since they broadcast the whole stage they have several teams and you know, they have a team who does the first half of the stage and then a team who does the, the, the second part and GCN actually has three teams. They constantly rotate. So See, that's because uh, they
0: have not hired Johan Berniel. You would not need to switch out. <laughs> you go straight through, buddy, straight
1: through. Well, it's long. It's, I mean, I have to say it is, it is, it is, it is long, but you know, you, you know, so I do, uh, uh, there was some, some commentators and also some journalists on Twitter who were kind of very, very critical of today's stage and, the. Uh, the attitude of the peloton, you know, they said, "Yeah, you know, this is an unacceptable. This is uh, an insult to the sport." You know, it's not like this that we're going to get fans, new fans to the sport. Uh, and and I was a bit, I mean, I'm I'm a bit surprised by some of those because some of those are already very long time in the sport, and uh, you know, these kind of stages just happen. You know, there there, there's always going to be stages that really. You can't expect any uh, spectacular action of anyone if it's not just, you know, what we what we always call the TV attack, right? So the the three four guys go go up front with the consent of the peloton, they get two hours on TV, and 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 that's it. You know, I mean, I heard some criticism, even from ex professional cyclists, even from an ex Tour de France winner, who said, you know this, they should take the opportunity, you know, I mean, then I think to myself, you know what, some guys have really forgotten really fast, you know, because (laughs) one thing is, yeah, okay, you know, it's nice to be on TV, but let's not forget, you know, we have 22 teams in the race with eight riders who all have, you know, a mission. And, uh, you know, we had two hard stages to start with, like really hard on, on everybody. Uh, so that already took a lot out of them. Uh, yesterday was a sprint stage; it was really, really fast. The last 50, 60 kilometers. Today was slower, but still, at the end, they still did plus forty kilometers per hour average. So not it's not like a you know not just like a training ride. Uh, and tomorrow we go into the Pyrenees already. So uh, and this is only stage four. So then I think to myself, you know, why would you? even as a team director, because the criticism was also directed to the team directors that say, why don't they give instructions to some of their riders to go in breakaways? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, I think most of the teams are there with an objective. I mean, their main objective is not to entertain the commentators (laughs) uh, so that they can, you know, talk about. And I I can understand if a commentator is frustrated because, you know, he's sitting there from kilometer zero to the end, and there's nothing to talk about, except, you know, the environment and uh, some, you know, cathedrals and castles and churches and, and the region, you know, but that's what it is. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I mean, and and I answered to one of the guys, I said, you know, I mean, this is, and this is actually what I think um, we could easily prevent that, those boring stages for spectators. I mean, the writers are never bored. The riders, when they have to go from A to B, and they know that it's 180 kilometers, they're happy when they're bored because that means that it's easy on them and they don't waste so much energy. It's you know, it's not bad in the as a, as to the France rider if you're bored in the race. That means mm-hmm. that you're at ease and kind of recovering or re, regaining strength for the day after, right? Uh, but I personally think that you know, a stage which is very predictable. To be a sprint stage, which is very predictable, that this is going to be the scenario. You know, what I mean, and you can look back statistically on on these kind of stages. There's a breakaway at the beginning. There's nothing going on, you know, especially the early stages of the tour where the sprint the sprint teams are still intact. You know what's going to happen. So why would we sit in front of a television from kilometer zero till kilometer one eighty during five hours, watching? I mean, and basically listening to people who have nothing to say, I can understand they're <laughs> frustrated. So mm. I think personally, these stages should be different. You know, the 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 organizer should make the decision. Uh, uh, you know, we only broadcast the last 60K. And when we start the broadcast, we bring a 10 minute recap of what yeah, happened in the any highlights, crashes, anything no, I relevant. Mean, and, and and that's it. And then nobody yeah. would be complaining about uh oh, this is boring. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I understand it's boring, but at the end of the day, you have to go from A to B. Otherwise, it's not a tour de France. You have to take into account the cities that are willing to pay for a start and a finish, cities that have an infrastructure also to to, to receive a start and a finish of a tour de france this is a big operation you know you can't just go in the middle of nowhere and say okay we're going to do a short stage because it's going to be so much more attractive uh that would just add to the already big and heavy transfers of 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 the teams you know so you know i think i think that would be that would be the 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 solution uh to avoid people being bored in front of their television um and uh And I said to one of those guys also, you know, I said, listen, you know, ask the best, the best, uh, you can have your best opinion by asking the riders what they think. You know, if you think, because, you know, they come, oh, you know, this is not acceptable. This is just, you know, laughing with, with the sponsors. And, you know, I don't understand why sponsors would be paying these guys to race. And if they're going 35 kilometers per hour, this is, this is, you know, not right And then I say, well, ask the riders after the stage, after today's stage, even if it's an easy stage, ask them how tired they are and ask them how exhausted they are, not because of the fast pace, but because of the stress of the last 30 kilometers, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, a grand tour is also particularly special for the accumulation of fatigue. You know, I mean... You you need these longer stages, even when nothing happens, to you know to get guys tired, and then finally the the, the guy who recuperates best wins, right? So um, I'm pretty sure that if you ask today uh, at the end of this this stage on the circuit there at the buses uh, to most of the riders, hey was easy today you know it's like walking in the park they would say you, you you have no idea right you know because in the mind of the rider in the body of the rider what they have is the last 30k this stress this fighting this kicking this elbowing you know so um so i think that that would be definitely a a good thing to not those particular stages not broadcast them from from start to finish
0: mm-hmm. you know i have i i have i have two responses for those journalists who think it's boring? One, let's let's watch twenty four hours of Le Mans together, shall we? Hmm? <laughs> there's one answer. The other answer, if it's so boring, talk to your spouse into having sex with you during the race. It's it's actually <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> Just make sure you finish before the last ten k. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah.
1: No, there's listen. There's plenty of other things someone can do. Between the start of a tour de France stage and the last sixty kilometers. You know, yeah. go out on a bike ride. You know, I mean? exactly. Go out or- on a bike ride and think that you are doing those kilometers. And then you get home and then you will you will be so bad, so feeling so bad if you go fast. And then you will admire those guys so much more.
0: Oh yeah. I you know a lot it. of our listeners and I've done it. I'll watch the stage and I'll get on the spin bike, you know. It's it's great. You know, mm-hmm. you know the journalists aren't doing that. <laughs>
1: Well, some of them, so I was surprised some of them, uh, you know, have been in there for a long time. And, and also, you know, what you be, what I think then, you know, is like, then I think by myself, you know, what are you talking about? You know, you're in this sport, this is your livelihood, you know, and you're here complaining and you're giving, basically you're forming the opinion because they have a big role of respons- responsibility with their mm-hmm. commenting. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, when people watch, they make up their opinion by what they hear. Right? And so they're basically contributing to the fact that fans will not like these kind of stages. Because if you're mm-hmm. constantly moaning about it, it's, it you know, it's, it's so unprofessional, in my opinion. Yeah, so, Yeah, they should be finding the beauty in it.
0: Yeah. That, that's the beauty of this moving train for three weeks. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean imagine, you know, we've we've talked a lot about Tours de France of in the past when when stages were 350 400 kilometers. Oh imagine imagine watching that, you know? Right? 15 hours. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't all
1: 15 hours when those two brothers won, we were one and two, the yeah. brothers Pelissier, 15 yeah. hours on the bike.
0: 15 hour race. Imagine commenting that. <laughs> I don't want to be in a car for 15 hours. <laughs> so okay now let's jump into uh some things you observed from from the stage one i i know w- before they got into the track uh you had some question marks with jumbo had this nice train they looked like mm-hmm. they were in charge uh and I, the first thing i did was I'm, I'm looking for that red bull helmet right i'm yeah. looking for walt van Aert to be on the end of that what was going on
1: well he wasn't he wasn't i i did i think jumbo did a really good job it also shows their strength you know because that's really a a remarkable thing to to see like the the action they were 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 taking was basically to get early into the like in the front in the circuit and their main objective is jonas vingegaard that's clear you know uh so they're not a team that is preparing for the sprint they're just there to avoid problems and yet but yet they were able to be first team which says a lot about their strength to win that battle that war against the team of a sprinter that's that's not unimportant so they they're strong and at first you know when i was looking at the helicopter shot you could see uh you could see vingegaard in second or third position there was another guy and i said oh van, van, today van art doesn't wear his red bull helmet when because there was a yellow helmet in mm-hmm. third or fourth position and then finally i saw vanart uh riding on the tails of another sprint train which you know was a bit strange i don't know uh if that was planned uh, you know it, it, it also you know it's so nervous that in in no time you can lose your position and then um you know but the fact that they came in first and vanart was not there definitely shows that their primary goal their mm-hmm. their only goal basically is Protect Vingegaard, you know, and what rightly so, you know, they are the defending champion. They're here to win the Tour de France, and and combining two objectives. Like that is not easy, so I'm pretty sure that they've said to Vanart before the tour, okay, you know you can have your freedom, but in certain occasions you're going to be on your own.
0: Yeah, yeah, I that think... makes sense. We're pre- yeah. we're going to protect John, Jonas, and uh, you guys do what you. I mean, you go do what you do. Wow. So yeah. Where well, did he end there, up? Where I didn't even catch well, he where was, he
1: was. I think he was up there, top ten or, or close to top ten, but he never got the he never got the chance to sprint. Okay. I did see uh, Laporte in front, and he was looking constantly where Van Aert was. But I think since Van Aert had lost the wheel of the jumbo train, he had gotten on. I think it was the Alpacin or the or the, the Koenig or the Sudal Quickstep train. I don't remember which one now. Uh, so he was he was a, a few positions back, but he was still up there with all these guys with you know Grunewig and then Jakobsen and, and and Cavendish and. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think his 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 objective was to sprint, but you know today he just didn't he couldn't he couldn't find the opening. Um, but but yeah, I mean, Vingegaard was up there uh, in second position coming in, um, and then on the other hand you have Pogacar who is kind of taking a different approach. You know, he's more surfing the wheels, not pushing too much. Uh, it involves some risk. You know, it could perfectly have been, for example, today that. Vingegaard is in the front with Jimbo Visma it's all lined up there are no crashes and there's a gap in the peloton and and, and Pogacar loses 10 seconds that could have been the case now with the crashes the the you know everybody gets the same time right um, but it's a risky approach if it works out it is quite a good one because you you spend a lot less energy, always trying to be there and also the stress, you know, like you're, you're basically surfing and, 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 and looking, you know, what's, what's happening and and basically waiting for a crash, because that's, <laughs> that's what happens normally when you're like in 30th, 40th position, you're, you're just looking and, and seeing the wave go in front of you. And then all of a sudden something happens.
0: You know, I, when I looked at the, uh, the finish on a track and there was a nice straight run in at the end. I fully expected to see three trains from three different teams across the road, and yet that the pace was so high. I don't think they could get get up there. Like it was yeah. just that fast.
1: No, it was. It was really when they came into the through that narrow gate, Umarovism was leading, and it was clear already. Right? It was all lined up, and these corners came really fast. You know, I mean, it was not like they came one after the other, and they went through those corners really fast. So. There was never any any time to you know it, it would it would actually be better for for a team for a sprint train train if there's like a few ninety degree mm. this was just basically keep they kept the speed on that circuit and uh, and it was all one line and it didn't really group up again until let's say seven hundred meters to go where you know you had the coffee, this guy pulling, I guess. And then you had like a little ball, but there was already not so many guys left because, you know, at, <clears throat> with a bit over two kilometers to go, we had uh, we had the first crash uh, of the three crashes. You know, Jakobsen, Fabio Jakobsen went down. Um, I heard after the stage that he said he touched Mathieu van der Poel's back wheel. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's just pure bad luck. You know, I mean, obviously, Jakobsen is a guy who knows how to, Maneuvered through the peloton, and he uh, he was unlucky for the you know in this maybe in the same crash another time Van der Poel goes down right, but he must have gone down very 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 bad because after the finish we saw a picture of his 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 frame broken in the middle, um, you know the top tube was really I mean broken and separate so he must have gone down really really bad. Um, I mean luckily he could finish and. Uh at the end of the stage. I mean he, he came back he came in quite a, a bit behind, but he was showing the the cameras that he was okay. Uh yeah, he
0: lost uh, I saw him getting on the bus. He lost a lot of skin on his shoulder and
1: the and back. He uh he 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 did a thumbs up to the to the camera, said I'm I'm okay, but I'm pretty sure tomorrow he is not gonna be okay. I mean, if you go down that hard, uh and you even if it's just skin, oh mm it's and you know they're getting to this part of france it's going to start to be hot you know they're in pole, uh man sleeping is terrible i mean obviously the next two stages are not for him but he's going to suffer he's going to mm-hmm. suffer big time
0: um another yeah. very very impressively no surprise but another impressive lead out from matthew vanderpool like him that that combination vanderpool philipson is It's unbelievable.
1: It is. It is. I mean, you know, uh, it didn't look at first because, you know, there were other teams there in the mix and it looked like Philipson was quite a bit, I would say, 10, 12th position. And then Van der Poel comes. Mm -hmm. And I just re watched the the, the finish. uh, And he only comes with a bit over 300 meters to go. And this, but the speed he he has and the, the, the reflex that Philipsen has this blind confidence in, in Van der Poel. You know, he just goes to that wheel, Van der Poel. It, you know, he, obviously he couldn't do a long lead out because they were going or almost full speed already. But still, you know, that kind of acceleration of, of Van der Poel is, is just, I mean, it's crucial for Philipsen. Uh, you know, if you, would, if you would measure the speed of Van der Poel uh, in those 15 seconds he does, today maybe was less. Uh, I think that's the speed of any sprinter of, of another team, uh, except the guys who were really close to the wheel of Philipson. Um, so yeah, incredible, incredible, uh, lead out. I mean, I think it's remarkable to see if under you know, the, the, the frustration he must have had the first two stages, because obviously he had personal ambitions, uh, didn't really find his best legs. He said also, uh, yesterday morning, he said, you know, I. Until now, I don't have the same legs I thought I would have based on how I was feeling before the tour. But, you know, it can still come. Uh, But still, you know, he is good enough to be, no discussion, the best leadout guy in the peloton. And this is, you know, you have the guys like Morkov who is always considered like the best leadout guy. Van der Poel is on another level. Uh, Yeah,
0: it says a lot about him too. Um, If, you know, if I just look at it as a spectator, you know, and when you know more about the sport, when you know very little about the sport, you have your favorites and you want them to win. When you learn more about the sport, you see moments like this Tour de France, where Vanderpool, who is a star, you know, and, and with that stardom comes ego. Mm-hmm. and he is burying himself for his teammate makes me yeah. a bigger fan of him as a writer
1: yeah and you know and and, and like yesterday today again you know this the, that's so nice to see this happiness of Van der Poel, you know having done this job and then Philipson uh delivering Philipson to the win uh you know the 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 complicity between those two guys must be amazing you know and I think it speaks a lot to Van der Poel to, to really do that kind of work for a teammate, show that satisfaction, and also basically, you know, giving a lot of, lot more value to the, to the team uh, because, you know, the, he shows that the team is not just about Matthew Van der Poel. They have other riders who are really strong riders. And I think it, it, it brings up the value of the team so much more um, it, it shows also that there must be an amazing atmosphere because otherwise a leader like Van der Poel would never do this kind of work.
0: Mm-hmm. Another thing we saw two days in a row, uh, you'll probably spend more time talking about Caleb Ewan, but also Phil Bauhaus, a name I hadn't been thrown around in the, the seven years we've been covering the Tour de France. And I looked him up, he's 28 years old, so he's been around. He's obviously riding well and Caleb riding very well. Uh, I want you to comment on them. And then we'll get to Cavendish too. Uh, mm-hmm. But Caleb Ewan riding really, really well. Yeah.
1: Caleb Ewan yesterday, third, today, second, very close. You know, without a lead out guy shows that, you know, he's definitely in in good shape. He, I think he comes into the tour in really good shape at the right moment. You know, didn't get a win yet, but it definitely will increase his confidence it will increase his comfort the confidence of his team um and you know speed wise he definitely has uh, a, st- a stage win in him um you know if you look today for example if you would measure the speed in the last 100 meters his speed is faster than philipson he comes back a little bit just you know doesn't because at some point he was more than a bike length uh, behind and he you know i think he loses with like a quarter of a wheel uh different so yeah i mean obviously this is an ideal stage for Caleb Ewan. you know not very hard and uh uh but you know without without the lead out guy um shows that he must be in really good shape and can and knows which wheel to follow so uh same goes for Phil Bauhaus i'm also surprised about phil bauhaus you know second yesterday third today um it is amongst the big sprinters you know all the best sprinters are there um, you can't really say he does have a lead out train, so he probably has a guy who can, you know, drop him off with a kilometer to go, and then it's up to him. So yeah, quite impressive. Also, uh, I'm, I'm really surprised to see, uh, Bauhaus up there two times in the top three. And
0: then uh, we got another look at Cavendish, and of course, that's a big story. We're following, uh, to see if he breaks the, the tie he has with Eddie Merckx for most Tour de France mm-hmm. wins. He's on, you know, again, not the strongest team that he has had for sprinting in his most of his career, but he was right there again today. Mm-hmm. He, he he didn't have the perfect line, but he seems to have the speed. And we know yeah. Cavendish knows how to find his way.
1: Yeah, So definitely. What did you definitely. see? Definitely. You know, I mean, he, listen, he's up there. You know, uh, it's actually, I would say, the best I've ever seen Cavendish this year. You know, better than in the Giro, because in the Giro, he was, until that last stage, he was nowhere, in no sprint, he was nowhere. You know, you could see he he was struggling with the speed in the last kilometer or, you know, now two times he's there, so fifth and sixth, fifth today, um, not far behind. So I I think he has a stage win in the legs. Um, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, I, I think I remember, I said in the preview show, I, I don't know if, if, if you remember I said maybe we'll have to wait till Paris. I know. It's the perfect story. It you know that what would that I mean that would be like I mean I'm sure he he would he would hate this now. But imagine he would you know stay in the tour and just not win not win not win and then finally win it on the Champs-Élysées. That would be like a fairy tale, right? That's that's the Hollywood ending. That's that's your Rocky movie, right? There. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, listen, he won the last stage in the Giro, so, you know, he's he already knows what it is. Um, but let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves, right? For the moment, I think, you know, he's 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 looking good. I think it will once again increase his confidence and his team's confidence. He was complaining a little bit, <clears throat> and I've been seeing this. I'm I've been telling this already a few times. I said, you know, I don't understand that if it's clear to me that Cavendish winning a stage in the tour is the main goal of Astana in the tour. It's probably their main goal of the season because it can save their season. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, in Kazakhstan it would be they can they can make it. I mean, because over there it you know the media is completely different. They can spin it as if this is unbelievable. This is Astana breaking the record of Eddie Merckx. That's the story. That's that would be the story. Right, right. 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 On top of that, he's not in the. English, cha- British Championships anymore. He is in the real Astana kit. You know, that picture mm-hmm. with Astana, that would be, you know, that's, that gives Vinokurov three, four more years of sponsorship, that picture. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why the team that is around him hasn't been racing with him. You know, yeah. his main guy is Case Ball. Fast guy himself knows his job. Was brought to Astana at the same time as Cavendish, and, and and they never raced together. They raced once together in the beginning of the season, and then didn't. The guy didn't do the Giro. Uh, case Ball did other races. So how can you have this automatic reflex? You know, like you, you don't need to say something. You just just sometimes by looking to each other, you know, you know what you have to do, and 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 so. And he was he was he was complaining. I mean, not complaining, but he was mentioning mentioning that it was for a lot of guys the first time they were racing together. So I don't really get that strategy. But anyways, uh, they'll know what they're doing. So you know, if Cavendish finally wins uh, a stage, they'll be right. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. I I would love to see him win a stage. That would be would be amazing. I think we all do. It's a great
0: story. And he's a likable guy and he's been around a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you hear George on the move earlier talking about, well, when I used to lead him out, you know, (laughs) that makes you realize. Let's let's talk about tomorrow. And this is what's fun. Something um, if you've started (laughs) listening to the move and JB Squared, one of the things you'll notice about about Johan is he remembers when we've seen a climb before. whether it was back when when you were racing back when you were directing or even just a couple a year, few years ago and it didn't come up on the move this morning but i know johan you know it's like hey we've seen this climb that we're facing tomorrow on stage five
1: we definitely saw this climb um we um in 2020 uh we had the same stage um, and this was actually well, actually no. One second, let me just check. Uh, it was stage um, stage. Let's see. Stage nine. Stage nine, and um, was 153 kilometers. I don't remember if we have the call. We had the Col de Soudé, but we definitely had the Col de Soudé Tomorrow is the horse category climb. Mm-hmm. A, a little bit early. That's a hard climb, uh, but that's probably not where the action between the favorites will happen. Uh, it will be on the Col de Marie Blanc, which is, you know, tomorrow's, at, at 18 kilometers before the finish, they they crest that climb. Well, they had the exact same climb in 2020. Uh, and that that's where Pogacar won his first ever Tour de France stage, which, and then finally he went on to to win the tour, uh, he <clears throat> he beat Primoz Roglic, uh, Mark Hirschi, Egan Bernal, and Mikel Landa mm. in the sprint, a five-man sprint. Um, so you know, Pogacar will have good memories of of that of that stage. Uh, obviously, it's now a completely different different race. Uh, but you know, again, you know, he, it's not against Roglic; it's against another guy of Jumbo, Vismasu. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do remember also uh, called the Marie Blanc um, as you know. I I I don't know if it was always, but for some reason I seem to remember that whenever we had the Pyrenees first in the tour, the Marie Blanc seems to me to be one of the first real big climbs where everybody is kind of waiting to see and anxious and nervous to see if they really have their climbing legs because it is a hard climb. It's eight kilometers, but the last four kilometers are in a forest it's a narrow road very steep double digits you know it's always up 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 uh 11 12% and that's that's basically where i, I remember always in the car also you know like thinking okay are my guys really as good as we think they are <clears throat> you know you 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 kind of have to get the confirmation in the race so tomorrow it's going that's going to be the case it's it's not an easy climb uh we'll see you know the the the, the four or five best climbers uh, together and then maybe some guys can come back but uh it's going to be a selection so um it's just uh it just depends whether there's going to be a breakaway in front or if it's going to be between the the big guys for the gc and
0: what's that 18k after the climb like coming in is it is it the kind of descent where a guy like Pitcock can, can do his magic or is it not like that?
1: It's not an easy descent. I think it's about nine, eight, nine kilometers downhill. And then it's like rolling a big road. Um, It is, um, you know, if you go down there full guy, Well, first of all, we would have to see if Pitcock is still with the five, six guys. Um, Personally, I don't think he will be there. I think he, if he's there, he will be a little bit behind in the best, best case scenario, and he could maybe come back. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, if a guy like Pogacar and 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 Vingegaard and Adam Yates and Mikel Landa and, and Bernal maybe or uh, David Godue, um Jay Hindley, if they go, I don't, I think um, Pitcock is a little bit below that level, not far, so. Maybe he could use the downhill to come back and then uh, maybe within the sprint or, or with a late attack or something. I don't know. But uh, tomorrow, Marie Blanc is, is going is, to... It is a stressful moment getting to that climb and then waiting to see if the guys are ready. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with the type of climbing we've seen until now in the two first uh, stages in the Basque Country. Completely different
0: yeah and i'm thinking back to these journalists who say this is a boring tour tour like oh,
1: no no they said it was a boring stage today. a boring
0: stage but it's like we're only on stage five this has already to me been a great tour and yeah, yeah. And, I, and i and i just appreciate the the phillipson vanderpool thing two days in a row what a show yeah uh, great <laughs> right uh anything else that you want to say about tomorrow and if not I'll, i do have a couple of questions for you and a opportunity to win a ventum ns1 which i'll tell you mm.
1: no that's about all i have for today uh jb so let's let's see tomorrow what the pyrenees bring you know
0: okay well you do have a chance to win a ventum ns1 road bike uh that's what i ride i love that bike i think you said your son's getting one johan mm-hmm. he's gonna love it he's gonna love it if he doesn't have it already
1: An ns1 the ns1 one
0: and uh just to participate all you need to do is email in your answer to these questions daily and that'll get you in the drawing yesterday the question was uh which cyclist has won both the tour de france and the giro d'italia in the same year the most times the answer of course from yesterday was eddie Merckx. who did that i believe three different years where he won both wow
1: now this should be pretty easy. It's a Google away, but it's fine. He, he won. He, uh, but I mean, just he won three times in the same year. I mean, yeah. he won. The, he won the two races, Tour de France and the Giro, five times.
0: Yes, he won the each not, five times. But yes. th- there were three years where he won both. Both.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. And then what? And then he did the. Did, he he won the Tour of Spain once, and he only did it once, <clears throat> just because he wanted to win the three. three. <laughs> right
0: and when and those you may remember this or, or not i don't know but if those those th- three years where he'd had the giro tour de france combo was the giro just prior like it is today yeah yeah okay because i know at some point it was after they did
1: no, was the, the vuelta the Vuelta initially uh it was first the vuelta yeah in end of april beginning uh, like last week of april beginning of may then there was like three weeks in between, then there was the Giro, and then there was like six, six, six weeks in between, there was the tour. So basically- So the Giro's
0: the tour always tour. been prior, but the yes. Vuelta has made a shift. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So the question for today uh, from Ventum is, where was George born? Where was George born? Of course, we're talking about our very you, own George
1: Hincapie. You mean George Hincapie? Yes. Not George Osborne. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> George Hincapie. Where was he born? Uh, find the answer and email it in to trivia at vintomracing.com and then at the end of the tour, we're going to draw a winner for that NS. I
1: don't, I don't even, I don't even know the answer, JB, uh, is, is, his, is his name an indication of where he's born or? I don't, that... you know what? I don't have the
0: answer in front okay. of me. I, it's on my sheet for tomorrow, <laughs> so okay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I mean, we all know where he grew up, but I don't know if he was born there.
1: That's yeah.
0: Right. Um, okay. And I have uh, a couple questions for you, Johan. Let's okay. see. Uh, let me make sure I'm in the right place. Okay. This is from Matt. He says, first off, whenever my friends and I just dis- discuss the tour stage and then listen to JB Squared afterward, it always makes uh, us feel really smart when we hit just one or two of Johan's talking points. Anyway, we always get to hear Johan point out everyone's mistakes. I was wondering if Johan had any races that he would ever do differently. What are some tactical mistakes that you made that stand out in your memory? Either bringing someone different to the tour or maybe a time when you pushed to keep the yellow when you maybe should have let it go to another team. Uh, and it says, I always look forward to your race insight. and Enjoy the recaps and discussion year round. Thank you from Matt in Littleton,
1: Colorado. Um, Well, you know, pushing to keep the yellow jersey uh, instead of giving it away. um, I I don't think I made that that mistake ever. I don't think so. I was always trying to give it away. I was always trying for us not to have it, you know, in order to save the team and then basically making some kind of agreement with a team that we would kind of, I'm I'm not going to say give it to, but let it get away too. Uh, so um, that worked out quite a few times. Uh, you don't see that anymore nowadays, uh, completely different. Um, maybe, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't think it was a mistake, but you know, I, there was one year, I don't remember exactly the year, uh, may have been 2001. Um, when, yeah, I, I think it was 2001. Uh, when, um a huge breakaway group went away and, uh, we, at the moment, we didn't have the power to basically bring it back. So we, we, it was 30, you know, more than 30 riders. Um, and we just gambled, you know, uh, gambled. And, uh, finally that group took 32 minutes, 32 minutes. Uh, and it was in the first week or after a week of racing more or less. So you know, I got I got criticized a bit there, like, and also questioned by you know, like sponsors and and even Lance uh, said, you know, oh, you know, thirty two minutes. I say, hey, you know, it's 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 okay. You know, I feel like we have this under control. You know, finally, it, it was not a problem at all. Mm. Um, the guy who took the jersey end up, I think, not even in the top ten. Uh, although one of the riders uh, who was in that uh, breakaway. Um, Ended up fourth in the end. Uh, but he had lost time the day before. So he didn't gain 32 minutes, but he he, he gained something like 15-16 minutes. Uh it was, it was the uh sadly passed away already, Andrei Kivilev, um, who passed away a few years later in the terrible crash in uh, yeah. in Paris Nice. Um, so that would have been maybe the 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 year or the the race where it was most questionable, um, but personally, I didn't have the feeling like it was uh, a risk. I felt like we had it under control, and it turned out to be that way. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say Lance won the tour easy, but he won it with a comfortable margin. So it turned out to be a good decision.
0: <laughs> All right, here's another question. Uh, let's see. Uh, I actually have two more. Let's see. Hi guys, this is Niels from the Netherlands. I love your show. I have a question for Johan. One of my favorite stage endings I have, I have seen was the stage to Liege in 95 where Johan went in a breakaway with Indurain and won. My first question I have, uh, did you have a feeling Indurain would make this move on this small climb or were you on his wheel by accident? And second question, do you think Pogachar could do something similar in a stage, uh, to win some seconds on GC, that's from Niels. Yeah, so, so that has to be a fond memory for you. This is a fun subject.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, if, you know, for me, for me personally, and actually today, I was still. I mean, I'm daily in discussion with people from the cycling world, and I was in discussion about this stage actually uh, today. Uh, comes up a lot, um, especially. I mean, for me, especially, it was you know, it was in my home country. It was a stage in Belgium. Uh so you know I I finally was away with the Rhine, won the stage, took the yellow jersey. You know, it can't get any better than that, right? Uh <clears throat> now, no, I didn't know at all that Inderine was gonna attack. and actually I didn't even see him attack. You know, uh, it I was I was ahead already. I was in a breakaway. And you know, I you it's 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 funny that this comes up because now I can once again, you know, I always have to wait until it comes up to make fun of Lance because, you know, I was in a breakaway in kind a of group and I attacked from that group on the second to last climb where Inderine attacked, but I was already ahead. And the last guy I dropped was Lance. Ah. And so I always tell him, yeah, you know, you remember when I dropped your ass on the Monteu in the Tour de France? Uh, I love so, it. So uh, he always immediately says, yeah, you know, I was, I was all injured and, you know, banded up and, which, which is actually true. He had a bad crash two days before, and he was he was banged up. But I never say that. I just said I dropped <laughs> arms. I don't talk about the crash. Uh, but that. no, I didn't. I didn't see him. I didn't see him attack. Uh, I did hear in the radio though that he was coming once I was on my own. So uh, I was expecting him. I kept a little bit, and 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 basically a good thing. I knew because uh, if I wouldn't have known, he would have flown past me, and um, so yeah. and luckily I could. Stick to his wheel. Uh, didn't take one pull. I mean, I wasn't allowed to because of the team tactics, of course. Because we had uh, two guys that were going for GC. It was it was uh, Alex Zula and uh, and Eric Berking. Zula ended up finally uh, being second in that tour, by the way. So, but yeah, I mean, um, and and then um, you know to 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 answer the second part of the question, Pogacar, I, I doubt it. I doubt it that this can be the case, uh, I think, for the moment. But first of all, when Indirain attacked, uh, it was a stage that none of his rivals were expecting him to attack. That, was, that came completely out of the blue, even for his team. It was not planned. He just did it. I spoke to him afterwards about it, uh, not, not straight after the, after the race, but a number of years later. Uh, and so it was not planned. It was just, you know, it came up. Um, so I think that would also have, have to be the case with Pogacar, but I see Pogacar and, and, and Jonas Vingegaard so close to each other right now that I, I don't see that happening. Vingegaard is focused on, on only one rider, Pogacar, and he's glued to his wheel. So I, I can't see that happening. Um,
0: no. Do you still have a relationship with Miguel Indurain? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah He's just, he's, a, it must be a very private person. I mean, he was very quiet when he raced, but you know, you don't see him in the public eye much. What, what well, is, lately,
1: he- lately a lot more because uh, five, six years ago, he really started uh, taking cycling very seriously again. Hmm. And uh, he is, uh, he is extremely fit and he does all these grand fondos. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, so he is, he was at the start of the tour also. Um, two days ago, I saw him on, on, on Spanish TV. He was doing the, the guest commenting. Yeah. We are still, we are still quite a bit in, uh, in touch. Uh, yeah. Usually, you know, like usually birthdays and new year and, uh, and then, you know, some other stuff, uh, you know, I, and back in back a few years back, I was, uh, I was trying to find one of his bicycles. Uh, cause I'm a, I have a bike collection. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I was quite a bit in touch with him and his mechanic from back in the days to authenticate, not to say that, um, uh, to, to see if it was an authentic in the frame. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually. Oh, very so, cool. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, we're, we're quite a bit in touch. Today.
0: I did get to meet him once in Austin. Uh, he wrote up to me and he's like. You know, he has limited English or did then. And he said, You're the guy from last night. Cause I had done an intro, I introduced somebody on stage ah, okay, the night okay, before. Okay. And I'm like, Wow, here I am. I'm sitting here on a bike next to Miguel Indurain. He's Pretty such
1: cool. a nice guy. He is, he's incredible. Very nice. Very incredible. nice. Super, super nice guy. Very quiet. But, but you know, if you really know him, he's super, super nice to be around. Very nice person yeah that's good to hear
0: and i'm going to hold on to that other question for tomorrow but i was going to mention something because i i still laugh in my head a couple years ago i explained to johan this fourth of july tradition in america where it's the hot dog eating contest at coney island it's nathan's hot dog eating contest i have bad news for you johan it was canceled because of bad weather
1: oh wow yeah i remember you i remember when you said that i said what so just, I mean, I don't remember how much it was. It was like, I mean. Uh, I can tell you, hundreds, what the, it's Joey Chestnut.
0: Joey Chestnut's the defending champion and has been for years. He would have been there <laughs> today. And Johan could not get his brain around the world record that Joey Chestnut has. 73 what? hot dogs in 10 minutes. Bun and all.
1: Is, I, I was going to ask you. I, th- <laughs> I think I asked you the same thing. Is it just the sausages or no. is it bread and everything? Everything. That's that's that. That's that's sick. I mean, like, <laughs>
0: I know. It, although I find it very entertaining because they aired on ESPN, it's a big deal. Although I find it very entertaining, it is the, just the most horrible public look for America worldwide.
1: <laughs> Watch it. Us it must not dogs. be pretty. It must not be pretty <laughs> side no. when at the end. But canceled, oh, canceled. Too bad and too, I mean, uh, good for Johnny Chestnut. he he got the keeper's record.
0: <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> no one can come close though. He's dominant. <laughs> uh, great. Johan, thank you very much. If anyone wants to write in and ask a question specifically for Johan, uh, you can do that JB squared at weedo.team. That's just JB2. You guys named it that. We didn't. You guys just kept <laughs> calling it and we were like, let's go with it. So yes. JB2 at do.team.
1: Thank you, Johan. Thanks, JB, and speak tomorrow.